0: Friends, what a great week we just had here at Young Life I love this place and I love that you were here with us every night this week we gotta go to the club room and we gotta talk about Jesus and everything about Jesus we gotta live out with our experiences at the messy games field at the rotation games, at the pool on the blob and it was just a full week of adventure but it was also a full week about Jesus and I hope that you hear how much Jesus loves you, that he knows your name that he knows your heart that he cares about you he wants to make it right and he did that on the cross what an amazing amazing story of love he loves you so much that he gave his life so that we could be with god forever and that's what's before you whether you made that decision this week to follow jesus or later in life you have this question for yourself god is always waiting for you to come home what an amazing opportunity what an amazing adventure this week was thanks so much for coming i'm glad you came we'll see you next time much love. Peace. Well, that's kind of fun. I, I mean, I don't even know who watches that. They make this video every week at camp where you talk, talk about the week at camp to the kids that came to camp. I don't even know if any kids ever watch it um, because they usually just watch for themselves, and then they turn it off once. It's like when you give a picture to somebody. They just look for themselves, and they're like, oh, it's a bad picture of me. But there's like 30 people in the picture. And you're like, well, there's other people in the pit. It's kind of, it's my life. Well, I, I work for Young Life. That was me. I spoke this summer. I got, had the privilege to share the gospel with 1,000 kids this summer. Uh, Young Life is a Christian outreach ministry, but 80% or so of the kids that come to Young Life, we would consider disinterested or unchristian. And so when we get an opportunity to talk about Jesus, uh, it's a real honor and privilege because for many of them, they'll say they've never heard anything really about Jesus, um, and they've certainly never heard anything about Jesus in a language they understand. Um, so, so it really is a privilege to be able to stand in front of kids. Um, in my three weeks at camp, in the one week I went to camp this summer, uh, I saw 400 kids give their life to Jesus for the first time, and that never gets boring. <laughs> Just never gets boring, and... It's worth every second of thinking and praying and meeting kids where they're at, and I love it. So thanks for being here. Thanks for being here with uh, each other. I have a great story I want to tell. Um, It's from Mark 5. It's in your bulletin, but I'm going to just kind of go through it if you don't mind, and uh, I I hope that you grab something from this. But I really pray that the Spirit of God speaks to you and tells you something. So it's really fun to be here. I've been gone all summer. It's kind of like coming home. I love it. So so this is Mark 5, verse 21. Let me set this up a little bit. So kind of everywhere that Jesus went, there was this big crowd of people that would show up and hang out. And I don't really know why every place they all came, this big crowd, but... It kind of got around that if you went and you saw Jesus, you might see something different. You might see something that's kind of out of the ordinary, that's a little bit strange, maybe it's a little miraculous. And so people ran to where Jesus was. And Jesus had gotten in a boat and gone across to the other side of the lake. And it says, as Jesus crossed over by boat, a large crowd met him at the seaside. Now, he didn't even have time to get out of the boat and, like, walk and get a snack. He got to the other side, and there was a crowd of people. Now, one of the meeting leaders, it says, named Jairus, came. Now, we know Jairus is a big deal. And the reason we know Jairus is a big deal is because the Bible uses his name. We know he's a big deal because people knew who he was. This isn't like the age of Instagram and Twitter where you know what someone looks like or you can Google pictures and find it. Jairus was a big deal. Everybody knew who Jairus was. And he came to Jesus. And it says this, when he saw Jesus, he fell to his knees beside himself as he begged, my dear daughter is at death's door. My dear daughter is at death's door. Come and lay hands on her so she will get well and live. I don't know what Jairus' experience with people who had met Jesus was. I don't know whether he had met Jesus before. But you hear the desperation that maybe Jesus, maybe Jesus can do something about his daughter. Just maybe Jesus And so he wanders down to the seaside and meets Jesus there, and he begs him. He begs him. Jesus, I love Jesus. I love what Jesus is about. Jesus went with him. And the whole crowd tagged along, pushing and jostling Jesus. I don't know what it was like. It was like a hype crew. Like, oh, my boy Jesus, he's going to do it up. They were all like going like that, pushing them a little bit like you do with your buddies. Or if they were just kind of like, hey, I'm going to check this out. I don't, I don't know. But they were excited to go see what Jesus was going to do. And they went with him. Big crowd. A woman who had suffered a condition of hemorrhaging for 12 years. In other words, she's, she's had her period for 12 years in a row. I've never had a period, don't know what it's like. All I've heard is stories, it's terrible. It's terrible for five days, from what I hear. 12 years in a row, just imagine it. Yeah, see, that's what I'm saying. (laughs) And not enough amens, can I say that? Not enough amens out there, ladies. Should have been like 30 amens at least. I, I don't know, I don't know what that's like. But I know there's people in this room that do. And just imagine that for 12 years, that kind of pain. But add on to that this that a lot of people don't understand is when you were on your period, you had to leave the community of people. You were unclean. And you were asked to leave. Women had like the red tent, they called it. And you would go and you would be there until you were done. And then you could go back to the community of people. You couldn't touch anyone in that time, or you would make them unclean. Also, she was unable to have kids, which at that time, that's how women gained value, was how many kids they could have. So not only does she have this physical pain, but she has this ostracism that is brought on by the culture, and she's unable to contribute anything of value to the community. What an isolated position to be for 12 years. And I love this. It says a long succession of physicians had treated her and they treated her poorly. Taking all her money and leaving her worse off than before. She did everything that we'd say is right to do. Go see a doctor. They know what to do. Check them out. And it didn't help. Didn't help her. But she'd heard about Jesus. She'd heard about Jesus. And like Jairus, this woman's like, man, if I could just get to Jesus. But how am I going to do that? I'm not supposed to go around anybody. I'm supposed to touch anyone. I'm unclean, and I've been this way for a long time. But I have no other option. She'd heard about Jesus. It says she slipped in from behind the crowd and touched his robe. She was thinking to herself, If I can put a finger on his robe, I can get well. Listen to that. I don't have to have a conversation. He doesn't have to know I'm there. If I can just get a finger on the clothes he's wearing. Wow. Well, the moment she does it, the flow of blood dries up. She could feel the change. And knew her plague was over and done with. Can you imagine that moment for her? Twelve years. Twelve years. And she touches a guy's coat and she's well. And she knows it instantly. At the same moment, Jesus felt energy discharged from him. He turned around to the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? Who touched my robe? I love this. this is my, these are my, the disciples are like me. What are you talking about? With this crowd pushing and yelling, you, yeah, I'm jostling with you. You're asking who touched you? Everybody's touched you. There's a big crowd of people. What are you talking about? Everybody's touched you. They don't quite understand, they're a lot like me. They just don't quite understand what Jesus is really asking. See, when you touch Jesus or Jesus touches you or you have an encounter with Jesus, you know it. You know it. You go away different. And Jesus is asking, who has changed They say, everybody's touched you. But he keeps on asking because he wants to know who has changed. says he went on asking, looking around to see who had touched him, the woman, knowing what had happened, knowing she was the one, stepped up in fear and trembling, knelt before Jesus. Fear and trembling. Knelt before Jesus and told him the whole story. Why do you think she was afraid? Why do you think she was trembling in front of Jesus? Well, the only thing that makes sense to me is she knew that she was unclean, and she touched a teacher, a rabbi. And he was mad. He was so mad. He had to be mad to go through a ritual cleansing and all this junk. And Jesus is not mad at her. She is afraid of what God will do when he talks to her. She is afraid of how Jesus will think about her or look at her or feel about the fact that she walked through a crowd of people and touched him. And Jesus is not that. And you imagine Jesus stopping and talking to this woman as she tells 12 years of horror stories about being kicked out of community and not having a doctor that can help her. And he listens to the whole story that she tells. Fear and trembling, and he says to her, daughter, daughter, You took a risk, and now you're whole and healed. Live well, live blessed, be healed of your plague. This woman had fought through a crowd, desperate. If she could just touch Jesus, and she does, and then he realizes that someone touched him, and he stops and says, who touched me? And she's afraid of Jesus. And there's nothing to be afraid about. Now you can imagine Jairus, who had gone down to the seaside to get Jesus being a little frustrated that Jesus is listening to this woman who we don't have a name of. Jairus is a big deal. Who is this woman? The woman nobody knows who doesn't have a name. And Jesus has time for her. And I imagine Jairus on the side kind of being like, checking his watch or his phone now. being like, well, hey, man, my daughter is dying. She's not dying. She was. She was dying on the inside. If she wasn't already dead. While he was talking to this woman, some people came from Jairus' house and told him, your daughter is dead. Don't bother Jesus anymore. At which point, if I'm Jairus, I probably throw my cell phone and storm off in a huff and break down in by myself and weep. Don't bother Jesus anymore. Jesus overhears what they're saying. I love that about Jesus. He's a really good listener. It's like he knows what we're thinking, knows what's going on in our heart. And said to Jairus, don't listen to them. Trust me. Don't listen to those guys. Trust me. Now, I don't know, if, I'm, if I went all the way down to the sea and I'm a big shot leader, normally I would send someone. But if I went, there's a desperation in that. And so if I have any inkling of trust that I have for Jesus, I'm going to lay it on the table and I'm going to go, okay. And I love this. They go back to his house. He permitted no one to go in with him except the inner three disciples. And they enter Jairus' house and push their way through the gossips, looking for a story. And neighbors bringing in casseroles. All these people that had come to mourn the death. Push them all out. Jesus was abrupt, it says. Why all this busybody grief and gossip? The child isn't dead. She's sleeping. The child isn't dead. She's sleeping. Now, Jesus hasn't even seen her. She hasn't even gone and like, he's not a doctor. He hasn't gone in and checked vital signs. He just knows. He just knows that she's sleeping. But everybody else that has seen her is sure that she's dead. It doesn't surprise me that it says they were provoked to sarcasm. They told him he didn't know what he was talking about. That's pretty common. Whenever somebody tells you something that's kind of the opposite of what your experience has been, the most common response, especially nowadays, and especially among high school kids, is sarcasm. Yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah, yeah, totally. And that's kind of, I think, what happens. Like, Jesus shows up, and it's like, oh, she's not dead. She's just sleeping. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, that's right. This guy. Yeah, go for it, buddy. Yeah, let's see what happens. Wake her up. Just wake her up. They told Jesus he didn't know what he was talking about. But when he had sent them all out, he took the child's dad and mom, along with his inner circle, and entered the child's room. And he clasped the girl's hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, get up. And it says at that, she was up and walking around. This girl was 12 years old. The family, Jairus and his wife, and probably the other kids, were all besides themselves with joy. He gave them strict orders that no one was to know what had taken place in that room. Then he said, Give her some food. Why do you think Jesus walked through the crowd saying, She's not dead? She's sleeping. I don't have an answer for that. I don't actually know if everybody else was wrong and she really was sleeping. But the fact that everybody was so sure that she was dead and Jesus still said she was sleeping, I think Jesus is trying to protect this little girl. I mean, Jairus is a big shot. Everybody knows Jairus. And Jairus' daughter is probably well-known. Everybody kind of knows, oh, that's Jairus' daughter. She's the dead girl. And I like that Jesus protects her. And I like that Jesus is consistent in his message that where he goes and what he says is that she's sleeping. And the only people (laughs) that got to see what happened were the inner circle of disciples and the mom and dad and then us in this story. But Jesus isn't interested in making a spectacle of it. Jesus isn't interested in making a spectacle of a girl. He's interested in loving her and her family and bringing her to life. Because everywhere she went, every playground she would go to, every school, There's the dead girl. There's the dead girl. And kids talk, and that's what they would say. And instead, Jesus says, No, she's sleeping. I love that. I love that she gets up. I wish at times I could walk up to people and say the same thing. But I love how Jesus calls her little girl daughter, little girl, beautiful, beautiful ways to view ourselves in the light of who God is to us. My friend is a philosopher. She lives in the San Francisco area. And she says, there's no other way to view yourself in God's story than as a little child. Because that's who you are in God's story. That's who you are. A little child. And if you don't like that, if you don't want to come to God that way, whether you're 99 or 9, you're going to miss out on the life that God has for you. I love Jairus' approach of Jesus. Jesus. That he comes to Jesus, pursues Jesus, and says, Come and lay hands on her. Come and lay hands on her. My guess is that Jairus had had the best doctors and spent a bunch of money trying to help his daughter, too. I also love the crowd of people that the hemorrhaging woman had to fight through. Getting to Jesus is not easy. Getting to Jesus is not easy. Our life is full of life and busyness and distractions. We all have crowds that block out Jesus from us. Do you have the same desperation that this woman has to get to Jesus? Because you don't have to have a conversation. All you have to do is touch the edge of his coat. But you have to fight through a crowd to get there. My experience has been that when I don't fight through a crowd, I don't get the same experience or closeness or connection. If you've gotten that experience, Jesus wants to hear from you. He's looking for you, and he wants to hear your story. I love the idea that Jesus listens to this woman's entire story. Have you ever had the honest conversation with Jesus about what he's done for you? I mean, the honest one. The one that's like really raw. It's you talking to God. It doesn't matter that there's people around her. She's just, it's like a one-on-one conversation and everybody else is just in the audience. Have you had that conversation? Daughter, little girl. I assume the woman who had been hemorrhaging for many years was not a little girl, and she certainly wasn't Jesus' daughter. But I could say this son, little boy, I'm 34, I have two girls, and I'm still a baby. In fact, in the Christian life, we're all babies, just learning to walk. And the last thing I think that is really important for us, Jesus is working in secret all around you. Jesus isn't flashing lights. Jesus isn't saying, come watch this. Jesus is working in your heart and in your head, in your brain, shaping you and molding you into the person he wants you to be he's not just doing it in your life he's doing it in everybody's life around you and especially in a place like this it's for you that jesus is changing you i don't know what happened to jairus after this fact i don't know what happened to the daughter after this fact within themselves, they knew that their life was not their own. Because of the way that Jesus had given them new life, they went and did life differently. And if you've touched Jesus, or Jesus has touched you and said, get up, you have to live a different life. If you haven't had that experience, one of the pastors or one of the other people in this room that you love Would love to have that conversation with you. Trust the people that you trust. I love you guys. Let me pray. In Jesus' name we pray. God, be with us as we go. Help us to pursue you, to chase after you, to fight through crowds to be with you. Help us to know that you know us as kids. Help us to live differently. Help us to live differently because of what you've done for us. Help us all to get up. Boy and girl, get up. And go live a different life.